Welcome everyone to the Sacred Hockey Mask. I am Peter and joining me as always is Lady Shasha coming to you straight from sunny Orlando, Florida. This is a horror movie podcast. We get together, we've watched a horror movie, we talk about it. It's pretty much that simple. And coming up on today's episode is a biggie from the last couple of months, which obviously we had to get to, and that is A Quiet Place Part 2 which was meant to come out in like april last year and it was like one of the first things that got delayed in the pandemic it finally came out obviously a few months ago uh, and is just now i mean it, it technically went straight to uh streaming as well but now the like the official vod release and the the the, the blu-ray and the 4k blu-ray and all that are coming out so uh good a time as any to dive into this uh which i suppose is the the, the first thing i should probably ask you is uh just generally i mean how did you feel about the first one I was not a huge fan. I just thought it was all right. Oh, I actually did a review where I, it was a double feature review. I did A Quiet Place and Bird Box. And I think I enjoyed Bird Box just a little bit more than A Quiet Place. I don't know if I can get on board with that. <laughs> but um, no, that's interesting. I, I liked the first one quite a bit. I thought it was pretty well directed. I did have some qualms with a couple things, uh, particularly the ending I thought was a bit weird and out of tone. For the, for the rest of the movie, but uh, mostly had a good time. I, I was impressed with Krasinski's direction, uh, if nothing else. So, but I did review that with Tim. So if anyone wants to hear my more in depth thoughts from the time, you can go back and check that episode of Screams After Midnight. Uh, but we're going to dive into the, the second movie, and we're going to start uh, spoiler free as we always do. Of course, there may be spoilers for the first one, even in the spoiler free section for this one. That just kind of mm-hmm. has to go without saying. But I've said it, so it's not without saying. So, uh, just uh, yes, we've covered our bases. So, <laughs> and we even start with a softball game. So this is on point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is on point. I'm on topic. I actually so. wrote in my notes that there's nothing wrong with the first one or the second one. I mean, both of them are technically very well-made monster movies. I just, it's just something about me that it doesn't catch me. Because I can't point to something and say, oh, this was bad, that was bad. It's really a very competently made, great-looking film, but there's just something about it that I find boring, and I think that's a me issue, not the filmmaker's issue. Well, we'll get to that a little bit then, shall we? Um, mm-hmm. I, I... So, I mean, I suppose you just kind of spoiled what you, what you thought of this one, which is what would be my next question. How did you generally feel about this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this one had a couple more... Um, I'll call them action sequences that I liked better than the first. And I think it, it raised the stakes a bit. I don't know if I, <laughs> This is kind of weird. I think I prefer the first one in the sense that the first one, because it was such a unique idea, it felt very inventive. And not that this one's not inventive in other ways, because it does have its moments of inventiveness. But... Uh, it, it, this is very much a sequel in the sense that it's you know it's another slice of life in this world that they created with the first one, and you have more scenarios that are playing with the idea of sound and all that. But the first one, one of the things that I liked the most about the first one was the idea of the mechanics, is that you have this family who have been better equipped to survive because their daughter was deaf, so they all know sign language, so that gives them this natural skill that is now so useful. And but then, of course, the daughter herself's at a disadvantage because she can't hear 
if there's danger. She can't hear if someone else, even if so, just something as simple as someone else has made a noise that puts them all in danger, she won't necessarily know that. That's why they had all the lights in the first one, to give her some sort of a warning sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this one was a nice natural follow-up to the first one. It, it kind of made sense, a lot of the things it did. Not everything that it added, I think, feels as up to quality as the first. I can't, I kind of feel in a very similar place overall, though, where I can't fault it on a technical level because I think Krasinski's direction, the way he uses sound, whether they you know, just the, when it goes to the daughter's perspective and it just goes silent, and you just have to uh, that, uh, all of my favorite parts of this movie, and I and I don't remember it well enough to say it for sure, but I'm pretty sure as well for the first one. All of my favorite parts are when the sound is completely gone and there's just things happening in complete silence. That's when it it works, uh, but. Uh, this is not a bad sequel. I think if you liked the first one, you'll probably like the second one. I don't think there's anything in this one that would upset you if you, if you enjoyed the first one. Uh, I, I think that's the, the, the pro- probably the most factual statement I can make about the quality of Quiet Place 2. And I think I, I have to give him credit for, because not, uh, it's not always the case that directors are in charge of making their own trailers. A lot of times that goes to a completely different company to make the trailer. Mm. But whoever made the trailer, they did a good job of not spoiling the whole movie because horror movie trailers are uh, notorious. notorious for this. Yes, and that's the worst. most of what you see in the trailer is within the first 10 minutes of the movie, so I really appreciate that. Uh, to the point where I, I genuinely thought we were going to switch to a completely new main character. Uh, mm-hmm. And it didn't quite do that, but it, it, it kind of half did it. It kind of half did it. But I, I, I actually almost thought we were going to leave the family behind for the most part and follow Kellyanne Murphy's character, who's had the new character I, introduced in this. I did too. I really thought that yeah. was the direction they were going in, kind of like the way the Purge movies are set up, where the sequels follow different people dealing with the same Purge night. I thought that this would do, do that too, different groups of people dealing with having to battle the same monsters. And it kind of, it kind of half does it. He's obviously a very prominent figure in the movie. Um mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get into the specifics and spoilers, obviously. I, I, I will say there's, there's some another good, you know, three or four really great set pieces where it uses the sound and it uses, like, the monsters. Um, Obviously, any complaints I had in the first one about the monsters looking just generic uh, still stands because of the same. I mean, that's not that's not a fault of the sequel. That's just, that's what they were. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what they are still. Um, You know, th- th- this kind of tries to deal with, okay, what's the larger world like? In this, and I can't really talk about it too much because I mean it is really spoilery to even hint at some of the things that it brings up. I will say this though, um, it does mention at one point. I don't know if you knew this in the first one, uh, but about how the monsters can't can't swim, and it occurred to me, and maybe, maybe I questioned this in the first one, but I'm like, wait, is the other half of the planet all okay then? Is it like unless they landed in like multiple continents, like is it only the the Americas that are screwed? This, this is the second. <laughs> This is the second alien film where aliens who have whose weakness is water come to a planet that's mostly water. <laughs> it's uh um what was it M Night Shyamalan? Signs. Oh god, what was? Yeah, signs. They they came to a planet that's mostly water, and then these creatures that can't swim come to a place that's well, mostly water. Like that's not. To to be fair, I, I don't think it's so much that they have a weakness of water because I don't think it hurts them. It's just that they can't swim. They so, can't swim. Yeah. You know, so to to it, okay. Yeah, sure, we can swim. We have taught ourselves to swim. But it's not like we mm-hmm. have a natural ability oh, to true. just exist in water, right? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a natural... I mean, to be fair, it didn't look like an intentional landing. I don't think it's spoiling too much to say that we get a flashback in this scene of day one. And we, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like an intentional uh, 
Oh, we'll just park here. We'll park on this planet. It, it looks more like accidental. Like, oh shit, we're crashing. We better just make do with mm-hmm. this, this stupid little pale blue dot that we landed on. Um, so, yes. So we'll, we'll get to a, a lot more of those details. There's not so much we can talk about in spoiler-free in this one, just because so much of it is uh, expanding upon things that uh, obviously the first one set up, the mechanics of having a baby in a world where you can't make any noise. Uh mm-hmm. So that's obviously still a factor in this one because the baby's still there, obviously. Um, the idea- they never did say whether the baby was conceived before day one or after because I always wondered that. Like, was was she already pregnant on day one or did they conceive the baby during the time period of, you know? I don't remember the number, but you can work it out, I'm sure, because the, it, it says what day we're on. Uh, like when yeah, it, but co- it doesn't say... What, what, well, I didn't notice the year or the month. Well, it doesn't, so. it doesn't say that, but it, it says what day we're on. So it's like day 400 and something. So if you just work out how many months that is. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you, then the baby was conceived. So why were they sneaking back and forth to a drugstore and never picked up birth control? I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, birth control's not 100% all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, this is true. You, you can get a, you know, a little Houdini that'll mm-hmm. break free. As, 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 as it were. <laughs> but even also the concept of trying to have silent uh, sex, like that would be kind of difficult too for some people. <laughs> but because they're parents, they're probably used to that because as parents, exactly. You know, yeah, I've never heard my parents, so I'm, I'm and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's thankful for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, except for those who have heard it, in which case we commiserate, commiserate with you, uh, yes. love and pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, they got lucky with the one kid being deaf, but uh, the, 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 the brother's not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although his character is so irritating, but we'll get to that in a spoiler. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we still have all these things in play. Uh yeah, I, uh, yeah, it, it, it's solid. It is just as well directed as the first one. I think maybe one of the things that takes me out of it a little bit, and this was true of the first one as well, is that when it try when it goes when it shifts to being a bit more sentimental and the music gets a bit more emotional, because otherwise the music's kind of just not there, right? And that's when I like it the most was when it's silent and it's just the sound effects, or sometimes they even take those away and it's pure silence, and I love that. Uh, when the music comes in, that it's like. Oh, all the family members we love and have lost, and like people are standing crying, or you know, like those moments are a little bit uh, sappy to me, and it it, it does feel a little bit uh, disconnected. Uh, oh, one thing I will say, uh, I'll I'll explain why more in spoilers, but I will. There's, there's parts of this that feel very Last of Us in this one in particular, partly because there there's some traveling going on, and because we even had, at one point there's like you know like going through like a a train that's just sort of sitting there and it's got dead bodies on it. I was getting a lot of Last of Us, but especially because there's like you know, like, you and know, it's a young girl. Yeah, a young girl. The Last of Us. The, but she's supposed to be what, fourteen years old or something. Yeah, but there's also you know like uh, you know bushes and stuff starting to like come in the windows and you know your mm-hmm. typical post-apocalyptic kind of visuals and it's like oh okay okay that's kind of neat. Uh, I'm a big fan of those games, so it was kind of nice to get vibes of that. Um, and then of course you have the. Uh, TV show coming as well, so it's been on my mind a little bit. They're shooting the, the Last of Us TV show right now. Well, without further ado, then I think we'll we'll get into the spoilers. We'll get into spoilers for A Quiet Place Part Two. You have been warned. Uh, obviously, we'll start at the start as a you know usually a good place. Uh, but the opening section of the film is um 
you know, it's a flashback to day one. And I think my favorite thing about this is because, you know, one of the things that was so distinct about that first movie was the opening being very quiet as they were getting to the pharmacy and try to get some supplies and whatnot. Um, I like that this started very quiet and sort of made you think that it was maybe, like, or at least it was emulating, like, what it's normally like in this movie when they're trying to be quiet. And you've mm-hmm. got the, the the guy who's working at the store just staring at the, the, the news. Um, but eventually, once, after there's been a couple of words exchanged and, he, he, you know, John Krasinski leaves the store and he's walking towards something, you start to hear noise and you realize that, oh, no, it's not happened yet because there's a, there's a baseball game or a softball game going on mm-hmm. that these kids at and they're all there and there's lots of noise. You know, it's a crowd. So it's like, right away, it plays with this idea of expectation. You expect quiet because that's what the first movie trains you for. Uh, and then it introduces, oh, a crowd of people cheering and, you know, all, all the other things that go along with that. So uh, I, I like that, so that little playing with the expectations with the soundtrack and the, the setting and what was going on. And obviously, eventually, there's like a ship falling out of the sky and they all run and mm-hmm. whatever. But it sets up Kelly and Murphy, who's in the stands and is clearly a friend of the, the, the parents. And uh, it notably sets up, like, he learns how to say... Uh, dive in sign mm-hmm. language which does come up later which I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting so that was a nice setup but uh... I, I didn't recognize him for the first 10 minutes I, oh. I didn't recognize him until when they met him again in the future and I kept looking at his eyes going I recognize him and then it hit me oh my god that's Killian Murphy his American accent was so good <laughs> I I really did not recognize him I think he's gotten better at it over time. Because mm-hmm. I think if you go back to some of his earlier American accent roles, uh, you probably mm-hmm. can hear him falter a little bit. Because uh, if you don't know, if anyone doesn't know, he's Irish. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he has, he has almost the most Irish name. You you can't get more Irish than Killian Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a more Irish name, but it is a it's a beautiful name. though. I like his name. Oh, Patrick. Pa- oh yes, Pat Patrick Fitzpatrick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's... <laughs> As well, I don't know. Pa- Patrick McLeprechaun. There you go. That's the most Irish name I could think of. Um, I kid, I kid. Uh, so, yeah. So obviously we we come and we basically pick up with the first movie left off. It's like right after the the monster's been killed, and um, you know, my memory of the first movie was a little bit faulty at first, but it all came back to me as as they were playing these things out. And it's basically just them getting ready to go. The daughter grabs a an amplifier so she can do a trick with the the hearing aid for the feedback mm-hmm. so they can like take out more monsters if they need to so they've got like a key weapon they've got a key tool in their arsenal now it's not it's not perfect and there's still a lot very risky to try it but they have something now to fight back if if they need to um so they, they go they go off wandering and they've got the baby box that's all padded and soundproofed but with a little oxygen tank and um they, they go on their way uh, it's not that long though before you know anarchy because when they get to the, the sort of the edge of town you know up north where it was one of the places that we're trying to go, uh, which is where Kelly Murphy ends up being, he's booby trapped the place. So they end up setting off a uh, a, a noise trap. They go running because of the noise, and the son lands in a bear trap and is injured for the rest of the movie. And he's trying to hold back his scream. You know, Emily Blunt's like got her hand over his mouth as he's trying to not scream uh so it's really playing with this okay you would like you'd have to scream you'd be in immense pain it it does that thing where it's almost like a comedy where 
it takes him a second to realize what's just happened to his foot and he turns around and looks at it and then he's like oh and he, like emily blunt just dives and like mm-hmm. <laughs> grabs his mouth that's when this movie and the first one as well that's when they really work because it's like really playing with that idea of when we'd have to really hold back it's one thing to be quiet most of the time it's easy to do it most of the time but it's those instances where it's impossible where you have mm-hmm. to let out a sound uh that's where it gets fun and interesting but um he actually has got like a furnace that he like a killian murphy that is so he he quickly like mm-hmm. rescues them he's got like a furnace that he hides in uh and there's like a towel that he uses to so that the a the, the lever doesn't slam shut but also so they can open it again from the inside and mm-hmm. he's got like a little timer to make sure they don't like suffocate inside the furnace but his area seems fairly safe relatively you know they, they, they've got like a hiding spot they can go to that's away from people they can whisper fairly safely uh but it becomes this moral choice where the daughter wants to keep looking and finding people and when they hear a radio broadcast uh broadcasting a song they she wants to go and find it she wants to go and find this and she's like tracked it down to this island where this this one radio station is the one that's broadcasting this song and she wants to go and try and find them and she decides to sneak out against her brother's wishes because that's the only one she tells Mm-hmm. Uh, and this becomes this this debate between Emily Blunt and Kelly Murphy, where Kelly Murphy doesn't want them to stay. He says there's not enough stuff here. There's no world left to save. You've not seen what people have turned into, which kind of implies we're going to be getting some of that post-apocalyptic kind of, you know, savage cannibals or whatever they've turned into, um, at some point. And it kind of it, it kind of becomes this thing. It's like, okay, are you as good a man as John Krasinski? And he doesn't think he is. But ultimately, she begs him to go and look for her daughter once they realize she's gone. If she's out there on her own, she's taken her amplifier, she's got a little hearing aid, she's got, she even took the shotgun with her. But she's on her own, and she can't hear things. And my favorite moment of the whole movie might be when she's searching this train, because she's following the train tracks, and she finds this derelict train, and it's quiet, and she's searching through it, and there's dead bodies, there's a corpse falls over at one point. There's a moment, and you know it's coming. This is, this is the beautiful mm-hmm. thing, is you know it's coming. Because she falls back, and the shot's looking at her face, and her face is covering the aisle going down the train. And you know that when she moves her head out of the way, there's going to be something there. Mm-hmm. But you're supposed to. You're supposed to know it's going to be there. That's what, that's what makes it suspenseful. Because it, it's also at this point where the sound cuts out completely. So when her head goes back, and you just see the monster standing there, and she doesn't react to it at first, because she's not noticed it yet. Uh... That's the moments this when this movie's firing in all cylinders. This is the these are the moments where where it works. Um, and this is where I would have rewritten it. I would have I I totally agree with you on this scene. But what I would have done, I feel like John Krasinski didn't go far enough. I would have had her brother eaten when he got caught in the in the bear trap. He would have been eaten, and then I I would have found a way to also get rid of her mom and, and the baby. <laughs> Then that gives her like uh, more of a, a push to go find the radio signal because then it's like I've lost everything. I have nothing else to lose. I'm going to go find a radio single, signal. And then uh, Killian Murphy's character, Emmett, is acting like, well, I don't care. You go you go ahead. I'm not going to follow you. But then he has a change of heart and you still have the same exact scene in the train. But now there's more of a reason for why he went and ended up helping her. At, at the very last moment, because I've that scene in the scene uh, at the docks, like that's when I really enjoyed this movie. 
what's funny is that that makes it even more last of us because at that point mm-hmm. she's completely on her own and it's this kind of new father figure who doesn't really want to be her father figure but kind of because he does have some good in him he accepts that he's going to protect her and mm-hmm. you know take her on this journey you know like yeah those parallels are totally there i get why they didn't do that because ultimately what her goal is at the end of the film does actually tie into the fact that her family's still there to be saved so mm-hmm. i i get i get the reasons for it. but because part of me was thinking that they weren't going to necessarily die but i thought that oh maybe we're just going to leave emily blunt and the the you know the baby and the brother on their own i wasn't necessarily expecting them to even have a subplot and like you know maybe we'll see them again at the end to, just to know that they're okay but I really thought this is where it was going to turn to just, no, this is Kelly and Murphy and the Deaf Girl. And that this is their movie. And this is them on their journey. And I think where I, I, I oddly felt a little disappointed in where the movie went is that the journey felt relatively quick and easy. Like they, yes. They get to the docks, like, really easy. And then they introduce the idea that there's evil humans uh, who actually trap them in a sound trap. And I actually love this. This is something I maybe even... I think I, I, think I speculated about this in the first one. This idea that if you're in a post-apocalyptic world where no one can make sound or monsters are coming to eat everyone, that if you have your typical post-apocalyptic standoff where, you know, people are going through a derelict city or, in this case, docks, and evil people jump out, they have to have their standoff, they have to have their, their fight, their conflict in silence. And that's kind of interesting. And then you can maybe make a noise to, like, draw the monsters to your advantage, and that's kind of what plays out here. Mm-hmm. And I like, I like those elements. I have to say, though... The actual people in the scene, the the, I don't, I, mean, I don't know if they're cannibals. They're definitely rapey. They're, they're definitely implying mm-hmm. that they want to want to rape the, the daughter. But, um, they, they they feel like they're out of like a really goofy, cheesy B movie to me. Like the, the, they've got like the the way they've got the ripped like dungarees, and the one guy's got the big beard, and they they look like they're. They look like they're a deliverance mm-hmm. <laughs> or something re- like that. <laughs> I almost wish they went like 1980s apoc- post apocalyptic with it. Like, make them have mohawks and like make them look like the guys from the Road Warrior. <laughs> Go all the way with it. I mean, I don't know if I'd want that because just because this movie, because Quiet Place, to, to its credit, it's never felt like cheesy. It's never felt mm-hmm. B movie, uh, which I think is why when the music gets too sentimental, I feel like it, 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 it feels out of place. But. I'm just like I don't know like I feel like they went too much with the caricature of these characters who are the especially since we never really get to know them because obviously when when Kelly and Murphy realizes what they're going to do to 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 the daughter he's like okay I'm going to like set up because he's they've basically this little girl's put like a noose around them that's like connected to a bunch of cowbells and other noisy things and he just makes a lot of noise and he sort of indicates to her to dive this is where the diving thing comes back and it's like okay i was expecting them to bond more and for him to have more of an arc where he would sort of truly learn to like care again because because when we meet him he's lost his wife he's lost his children he has nothing to live for he has the attitude of we're all screwed there's nothing to fight for you you know you really expect that his whole thing is going to be that you know and, and it's kind of there to an extent but i was expecting more that she was going to bring it out of him through the journey but because the journey is actually kind of just short short yeah and part of that's because we, it's a short movie but also because there's a whole subplot of emily blunt going to get another oxygen tank for the baby and getting medicine for her son who's was in the bear trap and she's like going out to the pharmacy that we saw in the first movie meanwhile the son basically 
causes every problem that they have in that side plot because he makes a lot mm-hmm. of noise and then a monster comes and it results in her having to blow up one of the oxygen tanks to like distract a monster and then she gets her leg stabbed by the monster and then they're in the furnace and they're trying to like stay away from it. like mm-hmm. all of this happens because that stupid boy had to go exploring uh mm-hmm. whilst he was uh whilst he was hurt and looking after the baby which because I actually, because I'm glad it didn't do this. I want to make this clear. I'm glad it did not do this. But I really thought that he was going to find something that told us that Kelly and Murphy was not to be trusted. I thought he was going to find yeah. something sinister. I did too. I thought that's what they were setting up. But yeah, it, yeah that didn't happen. I'm, I'm glad it didn't. I, I'm glad that it, he's, because it'd be so easy to just make him like a villainous character. I kind of like that he's just lost all hope. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I'm going to be there and, you know, fight for this kid because she needs my help kind of thing like i i definitely like that idea i, I think they could have done more with it and had it be more of like a, a proper proper arc um of course and i actually thought for a minute that these people at the the docks were actually that this song was a trap i thought that was just a trap to lure people in it turned out it wasn't and there was actually an island broadcasting this this music and sure enough kelly and murphy and and uh, the deaf girl go go over to this little island, and they find people having a barbecue, <laughs> and they're all happy, and they're speaking, and they're they're they've got music playing, and they're 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 full of noise, and they're fine. And then the dude from Gladiator shows up, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, on day one, you know, when they realized they couldn't swim, they started loading up boats, and most of the boats didn't make it because people are savages, mm-hmm. and the boats didn't get to leave docks. But we made it here, and mm-hmm. you know, you're the first people to make it since. So welcome." Um, oh, um, Jaiman Hanso, and I don't know if you're old oh, enough you to remember that's, this. That's the name. Yeah. But he was the video guy in Janet Jackson's Love Will Never Do video before he got his first acting gig. I think he used to model first, and then he was in he was in the music video for Janet Jackson's Love Will Never Do in maybe 1990. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, you totally would not remember that. Oh God! It's not even a case. I just realized. I just realized when you were born. I'm like, yeah, he would have been a baby. <laughs> I, I, yes, that's true. I would have been a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm also pretty sure I've never seen this music video. <laughs> Sorry, to disturb you. But I'll have to. I'll have to send it to you because it's a very nice music video. It's like the first time Janet Jackson. It was when she went from being the teenage sweetheart to being more sexy. It was like you know before. I mean, you probably experienced that with Britney Spears, watching Britney Spears go from being a teen to doing her her sexy music video. This was Janet, because we grew up seeing Janet as a child star. And then this was like the first video that she had on this bustier, and she's looking all grown and sexy because she was like maybe 20, maybe 19 or 20 mm. when she did it. Um, yeah, no, I, I know him from Gladiator. And I suppose... <laughs> And Guardians of the Galaxy as well. He's in that. He's the one who yes, goes who. Yes, who? Yeah, that's him. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's been. He's been some. He's one of those actors who pops up in a lot of small roles, like mm-hmm. you know, here or there. Uh, but he's he does. And he unfortunately does not survive in this. He's like, uh, mm-hmm. I felt really bad for this town because obviously the big thing that happens is after like a day of like peace and we know the daughter's planning something. We just don't know what yet. Um. But Kelly Murphy notices the boat that was attacked at the docks by the monster has, like, you know, just, like... Floated over. It's, flo- it's floated over. It's like, oh, shit, there might be one here. Now, don't get me wrong, it's just one. So if they kill it, this island will go mm-hmm. back to being safe, right? So this, this will be safe again if they can kill this one monster. And luckily, our little girl here is the expert <laughs> at killing these mm-hmm. bloody things. Uh, Before the monster came out, I wasn't sure whether um, it was going to be the 
a survivor, one of those like um, savage sur- survivors that was trying to um, victimize them. So there was like that moment of, okay, is it going to be one of them or is it going to be the creature? Either way, it's a bad thing. But Yeah. Now, so the monster attacks, it does kill a couple of people. It eventually kills uh, you know, the character we're talking about. But they race to the radio station that's broadcasting the song. And effectively what our plan is is to broadcast the feedback. The idea being that anyone with a radio can pick up this feedback, and at least in a vicinity, and use it to their advantage. Uh, which, of course, does, happens to save Emily Blunt and her brother. Because they're they're sitting there, and he, because he's got the headphones on, he hears the feedback and he lets it rip. Um, and it's actually both kids who kill the monsters that are chasing them down at the end of the movie. Because she comes out and stabs the one that's in the radio station with just, just like a pole that's fallen off or something, maybe part of an antenna. Uh, and the brother picks up a handgun and shoots the one that's there. Uh, and... There's some good beats there, though. I really like the moment uh, when she's getting into the sound booth and they're, they're being really quiet because the thing's in the building and because it's a building and there's no natural sound and it's just like, you know, they have to be super... Because any little, you know, squeak they make is going to be picked up. Um, I really enjoyed where she doesn't know the monster sneaking up behind her, but he does because he can see it, right? And she's not heard it. So he actually like, jumps in sort of in, in its way and like shuts the door behind her. And it's like this, it's, it generally felt like he was about to sacrifice himself for her. And I'm kind of glad that she ended up saving him because it would have felt really samey to the first one because that's what John Krasinski kind of did in the last one. He mm-hmm. sacrificed himself for her. So I appreciate he didn't do the exact same thing again. Um, and the movie, I, I don't mind the movie ending abruptly because it basically just ends. As, as soon as that it sort of focuses on that signals being broadcast everywhere, I'm like, okay, I don't mind the ending there. That's fine. Um because, you know, we don't have to see them go back and get Emily Blunt and her brother. Like, now it's presumably fairly safe to go do so. Um, you know, I think not... it's setting up for, for a sequel. It could be. Do you, do you think that would be the plot of a third one? It's just going to get them back? I feel like that would be kind yeah. of dull. Yeah, I think that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to make it um, that they're going to... But they could expand it if there's other people on the island who also feel like there's loved ones they want to save. I do think if they do make a sequel, they need to expand it beyond this family. This family is not... I mean, the daughter is the most interesting character in the family, is that yes. daughter. And I really enjoy her character. It's, it's, it's because her, well, mm-hmm. her her literal handicap is, a, mm-hmm. is such a unique problem in this context. In the context mm-hmm. of these creatures, it's such a unique thing. Um, and it, it mechanically lends itself to the scenes being scarier, to the scenes working mm-hmm. better... So, like, she absolutely should be the, the, the main character. Uh, like, always. Like, she, she should be the star of, of the mm-hmm. third one. Whatever it may be. But, if, if there is a third one, which, I mean, mm-hmm. I assume there probably will be. I, I mm-hmm. imagine. I, I mean, it's probably hard to gauge how well it did because of the weird split release and it's still, it was still the pandemic yeah. and all the other reasons. So, I, I don't know how they're judging it. But, um, but there is, there, again, there's some nice tense moments when they're sneaking around the radio station. There's that really good section on the train. Um, I, like, there, there's some great set-piece moments. I, I did kind of feel myself, though, like, when it got to, like, the, the point where I was like, oh, there's only, like, 10, 15 minutes left, and they're already on the island. I'm like, okay, there's probably going to be, like, another thing on the island. And there was, and that led to the radio station. And that stuff was pretty entertaining. But part of me at that point thought, hmm, there's only 10 minutes left. I, I, I felt like there's... I felt like there was going to be more story to, like, get into here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, felt, it felt like it It was a really nice slice of 
the next part of this world, but without feeling like a super satisfying complete story on its own. Does that does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, it 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 feels like it's at a midpoint. That's why I thought, oh, there are. My thought process is they must be setting up for a sequel because this is not the end of the story. This it can't just end like this. It doesn't feel like the ending. It feels like it just stopped, but it didn't end. Yeah, I, I think it, it kind of works in a weird way because like sending out the signal gives everyone this way to fight back. So if you ended it here, at least, okay, there's this kind of... They've gotten the secret out to more people and therefore more people might be able to fight and that's cool, I guess. Um, it's... I feel I feel really weird like dissing it a little bit because I do think it's so well directed and I do think the, mm-hmm. the standard of the performances, the standard of the cinematography, but especially the sound mix, the sound design and the way it uses the mm-hmm. lack of sound at various points is so good. But I, I did find myself going, oh, is that it? Like towards mm-hmm. the end of the film. Like I was generally quite shocked just how easy the journey to get to this docks was and uh, like... It felt like it should have been more... And it's not even so much that I want the movie to be longer. I, I just felt like most of the stuff with Emily Blunt and the brother, I felt like could have been just left out. Yes, exactly. They're just not compelling characters to me. And also, I I feel like they probably shouldn't have set this in the United States. Maybe set it in Canada or set it in a European country. But setting it in the United States and then only showing just one little country area and ignoring the fact that we have so many states... And especially in our southern states, the, the glaring thing that that keeps popping in my head, and I said this in my review of the first one, is this is a country where AR-15s, AK-47s, and flamethrowers are available for consumers to buy. And you don't include at least one character, like how in um, Tremors, you had that one character that was the gun nut. It had all the, the guns in the world, well, him and his wife. I don't know if you remember the original Tremors. There was one mm-hmm. character that was him and his wife had a whole arsenal. For you not to include that character in an American movie is like, this is what we have. We literally have, today, we had a, a, another shooting. It was at the the Smile Direct place, which is, a, Smile Direct is like a company like Invisalign that does braces and um, uh, I think it's just braces or the, the clear braces for people to straighten their teeth. One of the employees today got mad and went in and shot three people. Like, this is a very gun-heavy place and did not include at least one or two characters that would try to hunt these things. Cause there's definitely people here that would see that as a trophy and try to hunt them between those people and the gangs, which are, have a lot of guns. There's, you'd have to have some characters that are going to like say, Oh, we're going out and hunting these things. And they didn't include those characters at all. I think I even dis- if they, even if they get killed, you still got to include them. <laughs> I think I disagree. Uh, Purely because they show that guns are fairly ineffective because uh, their armor stops the bullets. So uh, we see that with the policeman right at the start of this one. If you know, especially the shotgun does nothing because the the head's not open. That's what the feedback mm-hmm. does. Um, and we're so far into it that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it being a very small, secluded town like out in the the, the rural area. Like I, I get the desire to do that. Maybe this is because you don't like bottle movies, and I do. Yeah, but yeah. But I, I, for for me, cutting away to different locations would kind of ruin the intimacy of the, I think a movie like this uh, works with. Um, I think these characters don't know the state of the rest of the country. They can only assume or or predict mm-hmm. or make a reasonable guess, and therefore putting us in the same position puts us in the same uncertainty that they are. So. I'll actually defend that. I I think that's the right choice. Is that is not to show the rest of the country and not to show 
other places. Now, if you wanted a sequel to just be like, okay, we're going to leave them and go do another group of characters somewhere else, that's mm-hmm. a fair idea. I totally get that. That Obviously, they didn't do that. They chose to continue with these characters. And I think because of the daughter, because of her special... Because it'd be, it'd be it'd feel really cheap to go to a new set of characters and give us another deaf character. That, that would be very... You know... I mean, maybe we could have a blind character instead and see how that works, where there's someone who almost operates in the same way that uh, uh, the, the, the monster does in a way, because they, they, they're just using sound to mm-hmm. for, for themselves, but they can't use sound. If anything, it just makes them even more vulnerable, because they can't use the one thing they're supposed to rely on. Uh, so maybe that's something to explore. But I... I like. But, I mean, you, you could have done more, I suppose, in the day one flashback by showing a, showing a bunch of people who are gun nuts. I mean, I, I'm not against not having a character. Because tre- Tremors is a really fun, like, character, action, horror, comedy, sci-fi mm-hmm. monster movie, right? It's, it's got characters who are very tropey and intentionally so, not in, like, a bad writing way, but just in a way that they want these characters to be kind of fun and pulpy. You've got someone who's more of a cowboy. You've got the gun nut couple. You've got your nerdy guy. You've got your scientist lady who's in town. You know, it's very classic B-movie. And I think this, for better or worse, you may not like this, but this is going for more, a you know, a family who are more grounded and feel like an mm-hmm. actual set of characters. And I think if you had this exact set of characters, but you had the one wacky character who loved guns and was like, yeehaw, I want to shoot them with my big bazooka, um, I think that it would, would make feel it, a place. It would, it would make it more comedic. Yeah. And also, I, I, this... Now that I think of it, this gives it more of an international appeal. I was think of thinking of it from a more like um, American centric standard, but there's you know so many countries in the world watching this movie, and it's gonna it's gonna be more relatable than if we do like the whole you know American gun nut thing because most countries don't have the same uh, issue with guns that we have here. Plus, you have the implication that all the gun nuts died quite quickly because they thought they could take care of it and couldn't. And mm-hmm. that that just makes them more threatening. So you've got that yeah. element playing that there too. It's like, and it makes our characters more vulnerable. The, the one, okay, they have like one shotgun they maybe had for protection on the farm or something, or shooting foxes or whatever whatever <laughs> farmers do. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- th- if that's all they've got, it's it's kind of that mm-hmm. thing where I, I I you know I often say that like. Sometimes a horror movie is as simple as putting a character who's not trained for something in a situation that otherwise, like, in another movie, it may be an action movie because you've got Arnold, like, mm-hmm. with a machine gun at the center of it. Um, and that's kind of what makes Predator so great is because Predator kind of, oh, yeah. Predator becomes a horror movie anyway because the villain's so just that good mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. But but if you put a regular person in a situation where they'll be hunted by a human, all of a sudden it becomes a horror movie because they are not trained, they don't know how to fight back, they're, they're scared, it's about running, it's about all these things. Um, so the idea that you take a normalish family who are not marines, who are not trained in these things, and have had to learn their own skills, they've had to like come up with their own techniques in this world they've been thrust into, I think, uh, is part of the charm of a of a premise like this. Uh, it's certainly what they've went with in the movie, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where it falls for me a little bit is where where it gets a little bit too sentimental with the music and. I think it assumes we care a lot about some of these characters more than perhaps yes. it's earned. Um, yeah. So I yeah. don't care about this family at all, save for the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get that you, 
they want to put across that this mother is trying very desperately to save her children, but I don't know why it just doesn't connect. I don't, I don't understand why. It's a little bit of a shortcut. I, I think the first movie, it really focuses on John Krasinski's connection with his daughter, right? That, that mm-hmm. bond was the big thing, and that's why his death was fairly effective. And she obviously the daughter because she's now sort of like her her main helper her main guardian who was teaching her things is gone so now she's on her own she's coming of age she's wanting to do more herself and they even say it in the movie a couple of times that she's her father's daughter where she's the one who's the brave one who wants to help people mm-hmm. who wants to solve things blah 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 um like so she she naturally is the one that we kind of latch on to more Whereas Emily Blunt, like, is a really fun plot device as a character in this because, in the first one at least, because the whole idea she's pregnant, this baby represents this impending, like, problem they're going to have to deal with because how do you have a baby in a world like this? Mm-hmm. And her having to give birth herself, all that, like, that led to a lot of big sequences in the first one. In this one, she's kind of sidelined, but they still but they still feel the need to go back to her because she's Emily Blunt and because she was a main character in the first one, and that kind of takes away from the, the central story that's happening in this i think i think i uh, i just thought of something else why it doesn't connect that's her own they act as if just being a mother and having a baby is a personality trait it's not we know nothing else about her we don't know even when it goes back in time to day one we don't know whether you know she was a working mother was she a stay-at-home mother we don't know whether she had we know nothing about her except for she has kids. That's it. And I'm like, I mean, you have to give her some characteristics in my personality. She had three kids, one of whom is three. If if, if she wasn't a stay-at-home mum in this sort of small town, I, I like the, the, the nanny must have been getting paid a fortune. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of nannying to be doing. Uh, I, well, maybe, maybe the, the the daughter is old enough now to babysit a little bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, a lot of kids. Yeah. Like, now, the baby, yeah. baby makes four. Although they don't have four at the one time, obviously, because, you know, that one got... You know, mm-hmm. because the little shit was stupid enough to set off his toy plane, okay? <laughs> That's what they call thinning of the herd or winning the Darwin <laughs> Award. That other son almost won the Darwin Award, too. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go explore and knock things over. Yeah. And leave yeah. the baby by itself. He left the baby alone to do that. I know. <laughs> He's supposed to be watching the baby. Yeah, the men in this... Well, I can't say the men in this one, because John Krasinski was pretty smart. But yeah. as, as far as the generation goes, all mm-hmm. the male siblings are all idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and clearly the daughter's the one with the, the intelligence and knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So, fair play to you, young lady. <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I. so, I mean, I, I think those fundamental things, I, I think anything, other than maybe the, the sort of the evil humans that are a bit, I don't know, cheesy uh, for my taste, uh, and at least in the context of this movie, they're a bit cheesy. Uh, other than that, most of my, anything I'd complain about in this is just the, I wish it spent more time focusing on uh, the daughter and Kelly Murphy's like sort of weird father daughter style friendship and like his kind of redemption and like will to live and survive again and caring about someone again. I wish it spent more time in that. I wish we didn't keep cutting back to Emily Blunt so she could have her own subplot. It just kind of felt like it was needless. Other than that. Everything, anything that I have that doesn't quite work for me is the same stuff that didn't quite work for me in the first one. It's the same kind of tone problems at the various points. But the direction of the big set piece moments is really good. Uh, and the way it yeah. uses sound, sound design is really good. So, I don't know. Definitely. Uh, and that, that scene at the docks is probably my favorite scene in a movie with the, the little girl 
trapping Emmett. That was really, really great. Yeah. Although, I, the first time she appears, because she does that like that horror movie thing where she runs past the camera in the foreground, mm-hmm. and I rolled my eyes. I was like, oh no, what are we doing? Don't, don't, do, don't do the creepy kid thing. Don't, <laughs> don't do this cliche. Why are you doing this? You're classier than this quiet place. Um, luckily, it didn't lean too heavily into it. It was very quick, mm-hmm. and that was over, but still, I was like, oh, you, you, you were going places that I didn't like. Uh, all right, all right. Let's rate it. What would you want to rate Quiet Place 2? Okay. Are we doing this out of 10 or out of 5? I can't remember. Out, out of 10, but you, you, can, you okay. can do 0.5s if you want to go between two numbers. I feel like this is the next week I'm going to do 6. <laughs> I'm doing 6. I'm not doing 6.5. I'm doing 6. Doing 6. You know, straight 6. Because, he, because if he really wanted to commit to it, he should have killed off the son, killed off the mother. <laughs> Maybe... I don't know whether you want to keep the baby or not, because that's... Do you really want to have her saddled with a baby, though, for the whole journey? No, I think I think the, the son should have got killed off when he left the baby alone. And then, because they set up, they had the baby there, and they showed that the baby's oxygen was getting low. Mm-hmm. So then if the son sets off, you know, the, he, he knocks everything over in the little medical area, and the creature gets him, and then the baby dies because it ran out of oxygen and then the mother comes back and she's just distraught. Like we're talking Tony Collette when she found the, uh, I don't want to spoil hereditary, but we'll just say to people who've seen hereditary when Tony Collette found out what she found out, yes. have that type of reaction. Oh yeah. That, that I, makes I, this movie a whole nother level. I feel like you're just added on lots of fan fiction plot here. Yes, oh, I, oh, did. I did. I rewrote oh, it in my head. <laughs> All I'll say is that they didn't have to keep coming back to them. They didn't have to have their own subplot. They could have mm-hmm. been fine on their own, and we could follow these two. Admittedly, mm-hmm. if the rest of the family died, it would give like her and Kelly and Murphy kind of this weird bond because they're both the final, you know, the sole survivors of their family. Maybe that'd mm-hmm. give them that extra bond. But uh, everything else you're tacking on is just like you get off in a wild direction. You're like, oh, then we could do this, and there could be yes, <laughs> there could be that, and this this element. Um, but that I- would have that would have made me give this an eight. If they, if they did that, that's why it's a six because he he didn't go far enough. Yeah, I think I'll go a nudge higher. I think I'll say six point five for me. Uh, I think it's really well directed, and I think the sound mix and the way it's using the sound mix and the way it's the technical choices made throughout are mostly exceptional. Unfortunately, I just I wish I cared a little bit more about the characters other than. Well, I mean, I like the girl and I like Kelly and Murphy. I, I just wish that it, it just stayed on them and didn't mm-hmm. feel the need to keep going back to... Maybe maybe the problem is John Krasinski, because he's actually married to Emily Blunt, maybe they just didn't wait to kill his wife. He's like, no, I, I just, it feels too close to home. I can't kill my wife on camera. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I'm not ready for it. Maybe maybe if the marriage is getting rocky by part three, maybe he'll feel more comfortable <laughs> killing the wife on screen. Is you know what? I'm in a bad mood. I'm killing you off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, alright well there you go that's uh, Quiet Place Part 2 uh, you can let us know what you thought in the comments below please do like and subscribe all those things are important on YouTube they help us out a lot they help all YouTube channels out yeah, they help all YouTube channels out if I can speak properly uh, of course I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month so thank you to Tyler Hess Cindy Palacios David Sharp Board Now Al Treisman Christopher Moy David Brown and Stanley 
And of course, you can support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. In fact, starting this month in August, you'll start getting a monthly bonus episode of this very show. Uh, so Plus, you get other things at the $5 tier and higher and so on. So go and have a look and see if you're interested in supporting all the content. Uh, Shasha, would you like to uh, promote your uh, channel quickly? Oh, yes, definitely. You have to come and check out What Did I Just Watch? And this week, Crystal and I did a special Come With Us where we went to Disney Springs and watched M. Night Shyamalan's Old. And we would be doing a, um, there's going to be a two-part video. The first part of the video is a theater review about the theater and our experience at Disney Springs. And then the second part of the video will be our actual review of Old. And it had no effect on you, seemingly. Oh, oh, uh, the movie? Yeah. <laughs> uh well, the beach. I, would... I mean, the, the joke was you don't look any older. That was oh, about. thank you. Thank you. Actually, I feel like I look younger than I looked last week. So. <laughs> uh, but there you go. That's uh, that's the show. Um, so thank you once again for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Keep watching scary movies. And if you see someone wearing the sacred mask, remember that hockey season ended months ago.